0: Welcome to The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Brian Feener, who's an admissions officer at the University of Connecticut, of course, better known as UConn. Brian, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, thanks so much for having me. How are you doing?
0: I am doing great and I am so pleased to have you here today. Looking forward to hearing about all the great things that UConn has to offer. So Brian, let's get right to it. What is it about UConn that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I like to tell the students that UConn's appeal is really the result of the wide variety of programs that we offer. It might sound a little cliche, Um, But with over 115 majors, 120 minors to choose from on top of that, there really is truly something for everyone at the university, whether or not it's something that we offer right now. A program that I really like to highlight specifically is our Individualized Major Program, which allows students to literally create their own major from the ground up. So students can choose from courses across all 10 of our schools and colleges to literally design their own curriculum in consultation with an academic advisor. Um, They can choose from or they can incorporate study abroad experiences. They can incorporate internship experiences into that program and really make it their own, really own their education that much better and focus on something specifically that they want to do. A really popular option there is criminal justice and forensics. Because we don't have a specific major in those areas, students can choose from courses in our crime and justice minor. They can choose from courses, again, across all 10 schools and colleges to really design their own curriculum. Um, and they can actually name their own major as well. And the name of that major will then appear on their diploma at graduation. Wow. So it's a great way for students to really focus in on something specifically that they want to do. On top of that, we have, of course, 21 division one athletic teams that, uh, <laughs> folks may have heard a thing or two about most notably men's and women's basketball. Um, but we also have several different athletic teams for students to participate in. We participate in the big East conference. Um, On top of that, 700 clubs and organizations for students to choose from, 250 study abroad programs all over the world across 65 different countries. There really, truly is something for everyone. Another program that I like to highlight is our four special programs in law, medicine, dental medicine, and education. We do have our own law school, medical school, and dental school located in Hartford and Farmington, Connecticut. And students can apply to these programs as part of their application to the university. They're highly selective honors level programs. And as part of those programs, they will work with an academic advisor directly from the professional school that they're interested in pursuing. They can also attend special seminars, educational programs about their field of study. And as long as they complete the requirements for the special program and for their chosen major, by the way, they can major in anything and pursue these programs. It doesn't have to be something directly related to the sciences or political science or anything like that. They can major in anything, and as long as they complete those requirements, they are offered admission to that professional-level school as part of the special program after four years of undergraduate work. They're not specifically designed as accelerated programs, um, but they do allow for flexibility should a student want to graduate early or take an extra year to graduate, Um, but they are offered admission to that professional-level school as part of admission to the special
0: program. Well, that's a tremendous overview, Brian. Thank you so much for that insight. I was curious, how many applications do you review a year? And do you, Brian, represent a specific region?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the second part of the question. I do represent uh, specifically Nassau and Suffolk counties on Long Island, as well as the far eastern part of Queens in New York City. And I typically review about 2,300 applications a year from that region. Um, So we are seeing applications from Long Island and eastern Queens Increase each year, um, so it, it has topped out about 2,300 in the most recent application cycle. All told, as an institution, we just eclipsed 40,000 applications this year for the first time ever. Wow! Across the entire world, um, and we're that's something we're very proud of. Um, but with that comes an increased level of competitiveness among our applicant pool. This is the most competitive applicant pool that we've ever seen. We receive, again, over 40,000 applications for just 3,900 seats at our store's main campus. So we are becoming increasingly competitive each year, um, but that is not a bad thing. That is certainly a good thing, an increased level of competitiveness, because we are seeing more competitive applicants in our pool each year.
0: Well, those are incredible numbers. And with the increase in applicants, Brian, could you give us a little bit more insight in terms of what shifts that you and your staff have put in place in terms of the overall college admissions process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So number one, and I know we'll talk about this in a couple of minutes, is our test optional policy. That is something that we implemented in 2020. So we have gone test optional and we will continue to be test optional for at least one more cycle. Um, and we also hire a team of seasonal readers to assist us with the reading of applications. That is certainly useful. Um, they help each of our counselors in each of their respective regions, read their applications each year. Um, But I wanna touch a little bit more too about our uh, holistic review process because I think that's really important for students and families to know is that we review every single part of every single application that we receive. So our holistic review process means that we're not just focused on those GPAs and those test scores that uh, students submit or may choose or may choose not to submit those test scores. Um, But we're also focusing on the rigor of a student's course load So AP courses, IB courses, honors courses that students may take, we certainly take those into consideration, dual enrollment courses as well. We like to see that students are challenging themselves throughout high school and on their transcripts. We also take into consideration extracurricular activities, community activities that students are taking part in. That's so incredibly important for students to get involved both outside the classroom and within their school, but also outside their school and their local communities. We understand that uh, activities and opportunities have been limited over the past two and a half years, so we certainly take that into consideration as well. If there are kind of gaps in students' involvement, we do take that into consideration. But also personal qualities listed on a student's application, all of those factors go into our application review process, and it's so important for students to be well-rounded as they're applying to college, whether it's UConn or another institution. Students need to be well-rounded when they enter college because they will come to realize very quickly that there are a lot of opportunities in college that they can take their involvement in high school and um, take it along to college with them. And there are so many other opportunities that they never would have imagined during their high school years to take part in at the university that they choose to attend.
0: Well, we appreciate that insight, Brian. And speaking of the application, could you share with us what are the different ways a student could apply to the University of Connecticut And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we accept both the common application and the coalition application for first-year students. It's the student's choice. We will review each application the same, regardless of which application they choose to submit. And we are only regular decision. We don't have early decision or early action. um, So students can only apply regular decision. And regardless of when they apply, we release all admissions decisions on or around March 1st. All admissions decisions and all financial aid packages, or all financial aid offers, I should say, are released on or around March 1st, regardless of when a student applies. So there's not necessarily a benefit of applying earlier. With that said, our priority application deadline is December 1st. So those special programs that I mentioned, the deadline for those is December 1st to submit your common application and your supplemental application for each of those programs. And... For priority application or priority consideration for merit-based scholarships and our honors program, which all students are given automatic consideration for, that priority application deadline is December 1st. Our on-time application deadline is January 15th for our STORES campus. Our regional application our regional campus application deadline is May 1st. If a student applies between December 1st and January 15th for STORES, They're still given that automatic consideration for scholarships and honors, but again, priority consideration is given to those students who apply prior to December 1st. So there's not necessarily a benefit of applying on October 1st. You're not going to get a decision any sooner. We release all decisions and financial aid packages on or around March 1st each year.
0: I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a shark tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So, I just wanted to share with all your listeners, real quick, that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So, for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code college talk, one word just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off. All Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process podcast.
0: Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, we appreciate that insight, and I read a very interesting statistic recently where it said ninety-four percent of the freshman class actually returned, which I think is astonishing. Again, it's uh, a testament to the work that you do in admissions, and of course, that the overall feel that 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 UConn creates and fosters in terms of making everyone feel part of that family. So, congratulations on those numbers, Absolutely, and so. Thank you. That brings me to my next question. What is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and anything else that you collect such as SAT or ACT scores?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for the first year class that entered in fall 2021, which is the most recent statistics that we have, the average GPA for students was about a 3.6 or roughly an A minus. I know that a lot of schools on Long Island typically use a 100 point scale on their transcripts. So that equates to roughly a 90 to a 92. a 100 point scale. In terms of SAT and ACT scores, again, we are test optional. um, But if a student chooses to submit their scores, SAT is roughly 1240 to 1410. It's quite the range. But we always get the question to, here's my score. Should I submit it as part of my application? Unfortunately, we're not able to advise on that. So we put out those ranges to students to allow them to make their own determination of whether or not to submit their scores. We always put out the Um, notion about the holistic review process as well so students can rest assured that we're not just focused on their test scores if their test score doesn't fall within that range it's not to say that they're automatically going to be denied from the university Um, we have all of those other factors and all of those other metrics to look at as part of their application for act it's about 28 to 33. for our honors program the sat and act scores and ranges tend to be a bit on the higher side ACT is roughly around 34 or 35, SAT right around to 1450 for honors consideration. But again, I can't emphasize enough that we're automatically considering students for admission to our honors program. There's no separate application, as well as for merit-based scholarships.
0: So Brian, you mentioned the test scores. I was also curious, could you share with us the percentage of applicants who in fact did not submit test scores?
1: Absolutely. So about two-thirds of applicants choose to go test optional each year and not submit their test scores as part of the application review process. On the opposite side of that, about a third of applicants will choose to submit their test scores.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's very interesting data, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate using your own metrics?
1: So we do recalculate students' GPAs. Um, regardless of what it says on their transcript, weighted or unweighted, we do take the data on their transcript and put it into our own recalculation, just for the purpose of using the same metric across all schools. Um, So some schools have different grading policies, different um, grading metrics and things that they use, but using our own recalculation tool allows us to give extra weight to AP courses, to honors courses, to IB courses, and give students credit for challenging themselves with those advanced level classes in high school, and then come out with our own recalculated GPA on a 4.0 scale that we will then use in our application review process.
0: Understood, and thank you so much for that insight, Brian. We really appreciate it. So you mentioned AP and IB. Brian, I was curious. Does UConn accept AP, IB, or SAT subject tests for credit?
1: Absolutely. So in terms of, I'll start at the end. In terms of SAT subject tests, we don't look at SAT subject tests. We look at the total composite score um, when we consider students' test scores. In terms of AP courses, we do accept credit for AP courses as long as students obtain either a four or a five on their AP exam. If students and families go to our admissions website, admissions.ucon.edu, they'll see a complete listing of AP courses that we accept credit for. Generally, each AP course that's offered, we will accept credit for that. But a nice thing about that tool is that they'll see exactly which course at UConn that AP course satisfies credit requirement for. So that's a really nice tool for students to use. In terms of IB, we will accept IB credit only as long as the student is pursuing the full IB diploma. They have to be an IB diploma candidate in order for us to transfer that IB credit. And I'll go a step further with dual enrollment credits because I know a lot of students have dual enrollment credits from local community college, local four-year colleges that they're bringing into the university. Generally, we're able to accept any dual enrollment credits from an accredited college or university that a student takes courses with, as long as they obtain at least a C in the course. And all of this information is on our admissions website as well.
0: Fantastic. And I'm going to provide a link to the UConn Office of Admissions. Brian, if there are any other links that you want me to include in the show notes, feel free to send them to me. And of course, we'll make them available to the students and their parents. Perfect. Thank you. So Brian, if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class's average, what are some of the things they can do to enhance their overall application?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of the holistic review process. So just because the average GPA might be around a 3.6 average SAT, ACT ranges, as I mentioned, doesn't mean a student will be denied from the university because we have, again, extracurricular involvement, community involvement to look at the rigor of their coursework students challenging themselves in high school so we really encourage students to pursue any and all extracurricular activities that they can and i'll go into more detail about the activities sheet in just a few minutes but with that said students can pursue community service opportunities students can pursue it's really important for students to look into opportunities related to the major that they're applying to so if they're applying to a biological sciences major for example with the hopes of pursuing a pre-med track If they can look for medical shadowing opportunities, if they can look for perhaps high school internship opportunities, volunteer opportunities in a medical setting, that's hugely important for them to include on their application because we like to see that students are pursuing their desired field of study earlier rather than later to give them the experience necessary to then succeed in that career field, both at the University of Connecticut, as well as uh, beyond our, our campus.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I know that we spoke earlier about UConn being test optional. I was curious as well as a follow-up to that. If a student, Brian, does not choose to submit the SAT or ACT score, how does that influence merit-based scholarships or financial aid?
1: It does not. Um, That's the short answer. Um, So if a student chooses not to submit their test scores, we will review them completely equally to a student that chose to submit their test scores. So we have all of those additional metrics, again, from the involvement to the rigor of their course load and all of that when reviewing their applications. And we automatically consider all applicants for scholarships and for our honors program, regardless of whether or not they submitted test scores. We review everyone completely equally. In terms of our test optional policy for right now, we are gonna continue to be test optional through at least the fall 2023 application cycle. So for current high school juniors and rising seniors, we will continue to be test optional for those students. We expect to make a decision on whether or not that policy will continue beyond the next application cycle, sometime soon, probably over the summer.
0: Great, and Brian, how important are students' courses and progress and grades in this senior year?
1: Yeah, absolutely, so I mentioned our recalculation process and that recalculation process includes a student's ninth, 10th, and 11th grade years. We don't take a student's senior year courses into consideration as part of our recalculation process, but with that said, We do take into consideration whether or not a student chooses to continue to challenge themselves in high school. Um, Definitely don't get senioritis. It's easy for (laughs) me to say I'm not a student, Um, but it's, it's very important that you don't slack off your senior year because we like to see that students are continuing to challenge themselves with those AP level courses, those honors level courses, those IB level courses, and continue with what they've done their ninth, 10th, and 11th grade years, because again, while we won't take them into consideration on our application process, or our recalculation process, rather, we do like to see the students are continuing to challenge themselves. And in terms of mid-year grades, it wasn't necessarily part of the question, um, but we may request to see a student's mid-year grades as part of the application process, just to see that they're keeping up with their performance in specific subject areas. So depending on the major that they're applying for, if they're applying to an engineering major, if they're applying to a nursing major, STEM courses are extremely important, math and science specifically. And we will continue to look to see that students are uh, keeping up with their performance in those subject area courses, because those will be very heavy in those particular majors that they're choosing at UConn.
0: Well, we appreciate that explanation, Brian. Thank you so much. And of course, another piece of the application is the student's activity sheet. What are the kinds of things you are looking for beyond the work that they completed in the classroom?
1: Absolutely. So I would say the biggest thing with the activities sheet for students to keep in mind is that quality is more important than quantity. A lot of students will think that I need to get involved in every single activity to make my application stand out. And that's not necessarily the case. We like to see that students have longevity in the activities that they choose to take part in. We like to see the students have an interest in that particular activity by continuing with it two, three, four years throughout high school and not necessarily getting involved in one specific activity for a week and then getting involved in another activity the next week just to include it on their application. So if a student is involved in only a handful of activities for two, three, four years in high school, we will look more favorably upon that versus a student who has all 10 activities filled out on an activities sheet, and that includes a resume, and only has a week or two, a week, two weeks, a month in that particular activity. So it's really important to focus on quality over quantity. If a student has longevity in 10, 15 activities, that's fantastic. It's not necessarily something that's doable for many students in high school, just given their academic responsibilities, but it's really important for students to focus on quality over quantity when looking at their activities sheet.
0: Well, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much, Brian. And I was also curious about programs or services that UConn offers for students that had an IEP in high school. And if you have such programs, if you could elaborate a little bit, we would truly appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So the biggest resource for students who had an IEP in high school is our Center for Students with Disabilities. So students can reach out to that office. And that's a really important note, is that it's the responsibility of the student to reach out to the Center for Students Dis- with Disabilities after they're admitted to the university. So after they're admitted to the university, they pay their enrollment fee by securing to secure their spot in our incoming class. They have to reach out to the Center for Students with Disabilities themselves. And from there, the process just gets rolling with their staff. Um, so they will work with students to provide any, any and all accommodations that they need depending on their needs. Um, so whether that's residential accommodations, a single room, et cetera, whether that's academic accommodations, extra time on tests, a specific resource room that they have to go to to take tests separate from their classmates, um, campus access accommodations, any and all accommodations that they need, the Center for Students with Disabilities will work with them. But the most important thing to keep in mind for students, incoming students, is that it is their responsibility to reach out for the center, to the Center for Students with Disabilities on their own, because otherwise we won't know that they need those accommodations to make them successful at the University of Connecticut.
0: Understood, Brian. I really appreciate that insight. And this conversation has been great. So it leads me to my last question. What are, Brian, your top three pieces of advice that you would offer students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process?
1: Yeah. So the top piece of advice I would have to say is just to stay organized. It can be <laughs> extremely overwhelming, this college process. I know you and I were talking off air about Um, the different nuances about the process and how overwhelming it really can be for students and their families. So it's really important to stay organized, um, collect information from each of the colleges or universities that you're interested in, whether that's electronic, whether that's um, printed brochures. I know those are maybe less common nowadays, Um, but really stay organized with all of the data, all of the information about each college, what um, majors and minors that they offer based on what you might be interested in coming out of high school. Um, the second piece of advice I would say is do your homework with those majors and minors only apply to the schools or colleges that will offer the major that you're interested in with us, the individualized major program comes into play, because even if we don't offer a specific major, you can always uh, create your own, um, but really focus on the majors or minors that a school offers, because if you're interested in a specific area of engineering, that is not necessarily offered at a particular school. Maybe you don't apply to that particular school because each school also has an application fee and those fees can add up. So that's really important to note: is to keep track of the application fees, do your homework about what the application process entails, whether they're test optional, whether they're test um, required. And the last piece of advice is to stay in touch with the schools that you're interested in. Um, there's a lot of talk about demonstrated interest. While we do track demonstrated interest, we keep track in our system of what a student attended, whether it's a one-on-one virtual chat with our admissions counselors, whether it's an on-campus tour, whether it's a college fair that we attended in a student's uh, home region, we keep track of all of that, but it doesn't play a role in our review process. So that's really important to note: is that even though a student attends 15 events, whether it's in their specific region or on campus, or a student attends one or two, they're gonna be reviewed completely equally in our review process. So. We do track demonstrated interest, but we don't take it into account in our review process. But there is still value in staying in touch with the schools that you're interested in. All of our email addresses, all of our first-year team, our email addresses are listed on our website. And it's really worth noting that a student chooses to stay in touch with us, reaches out via email to introduce themselves, even if it's just to introduce themselves. We look highly upon that because that shows initiative. That shows that a student is truly interested in the University of Connecticut. And they want to get to know us. They want us to get to know them. Um, so little things like that really make a difference because when we go to review a student's application, we'll say, oh, hey, I was in touch with that student via email four months ago before the application process even began. So they're truly interested in attending. And it's really a value for students to stay in touch with the, student, with the schools they're, they're interested in because they might be able to get a little extra insight from the admissions counselors themselves and something that may not be included in our literature that they will have obtained in their on-campus tour or on our website.
0: Well, that's great advice. Brian, thank you so much for your insight and expertise throughout this entire conversation. I'm really happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents. Brian, we hope to have you again soon. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Our pleasure. Thank you. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, We've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.